1: Fox
2: News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal
0: with these threats.
1: We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people.
0: We have to make our country great again, and I will do
3: that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who
1: ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baird. GOP House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, along with a delegation of Republican lawmakers, visiting the southern border in Eagle Pass, Texas today, after the Biden administration announced earlier this month they would be ending the Trump era Title 42 law that allowed Border Patrol to turn away migrants due to safety fears over the coronavirus pandemic. The number one thing I'd say to President Biden do not lift Title 42. And first and foremost, come down to this border come down to this border and see what is happening. After failing to take the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv, Russia is rethinking its military strategy as it sets its sights on eastern Ukraine. That U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kyiv where they pledged more U.S. support for the war. We don't know how the rest of this war will unfold, but we do know that a sovereign, independent Ukraine Will be around a lot longer than vladimir putin's on the scene and our support for ukraine going forward uh, will continue it will continue until we see final success for this and more we bring in our panel fox news congressional correspondent chad pergram fox news political analyst juan williams and former speechwriter and george w bush and aei resident fellow mark teason hi guys mark what about this border trip it comes obviously at a time when uh, the minority leader is under pressure over uh, some taped comments about uh, what he thought right after the January 6th riot about for the former president to uh, resign when he was president at that time, but he's making a point to make immigration a key issue.
2: The
3: Democrats would love to talk about uh, his uh, his over overheard phone call rather than the border. Um, There's a huge revolt happening on the Democratic side over Title 42. And the reason is, is that Title 42 has really masked the damage that has been done by Biden border policies, because Biden got rid of all of Trump's border policies except for Title 42. He got rid of the Remain in Mexico policy. He got rid of the Safe Third Country agreements with the Central American countries. He's basically stopped deportations. Deportations have gone to the lowest point uh, in history uh, of, of the Immigration Naturalization Service. And so, what all that's left that's holding back the flood is Title 42, which is a health measure. It's not supposed to be a border control measure. And so, if if you lift, I think there were last year, uh, there were like two million border encounters. Sixty-one percent of them were turned back because of Title Forty-two, and they've already on pace for another another two million this year. So, if you get rid of Title Forty-two. There's going to be a flood, not just of of illegal migrants, but also an increased flood of illegal drugs coming over this border. And people who already think the border is a disaster are going to see what a real disaster looks like. So the Democrats, the vulnerable Democrats, don't want him to lift this uh, this policy.
1: Is there a sense, one, of uh, impending doom uh, with, this, with this move?
2: Well, you get more than you know, who have 100 progressive Democrats who are demanding that he lift the border restrictions. But then you have, as Mark was saying, vulnerable Democrats uh, going into the midterms who see this as doom, as you just said. Uh, There's no question to them that this is something that the Republicans can make use of going into the fall elections. And I think Gallup has something like 42% of Americans say they are very worried about illegal immigration at this point. And there are videos and there's drama, a woman drowning, being rescued by a border agent who then drowned himself. It's, it, it's a story that does not work right now for Democratic candidates. And, you know, it's, it's very intriguing that the Republicans know this. Jim Jordan put out a memo Uh, last week that was uh, obtained by newspapers in which he said, you know, we're going to ride this horse hard and we're going to even make the immigrants into sex offenders. And you've got Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary of Homeland Security, set to testify this week, I believe Thursday, and they're going to really go at him as to what is the plan to deal with a potential surge of immigrants uh, this spring.
1: Chad Pergram, uh, Republicans are saying they're going to ride the immigration issue hard. Democrats clearly are signaling they're going to ride the January 6th hearings and information that drips out about them uh, pretty hard as well.
0: If you listen to the remarks by Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader at the GOP state convention in California, uh, he kind of laid out what they were going to talk about, the economy, gas prices, immigration. They believe that the Democrats have a lot of vulnerabilities on that issue. There's a reason why so many Democrats in both the House and Senate, mostly those uh, who are moderates or represent swing or, or, or uh, districts or states, have criticized the Biden administration over Title 42. Henry Cuellar, a moderate Democrat from Texas who represents a border district, has been been among those so you can see where they are starting to feel the the pressure on this but also simultaneously brett use the biden administration as a foil on immigration in other words saying we don't agree with this policy we realize the toxicity of this policy in our states and districts and kind of turn this around back on the administration that probably works in those districts there's a reason why those are swing districts and states
1: mark uh meantime we have the situation in um in And Russia is clearly not militarily performing like anybody thought it would.
3: They haven't been. Um, and it's a fascinating dynamic right now because there's a. this is a very high-stakes moment for, for Ukraine, but also for Joe Biden. Uh, because the Ukraine, it, it, when, when this whole war started about two months ago, all of us were waking up every morning. And the first thing, I don't know about you, but the first thing I did every morning was check the news to see if Kiev was still standing. And... Americans were inve- we, we we were invested emotionally in President Zelensky. were inspired by the Ukrainian fight, and, but no one expected them to, to to prevail. The Biden administration actually offered him a flight, and he said, "I need ammo, not not a, not a lift." And against all odds, they held on and won the battle of Kyiv. And so now the expectations of the American people have changed. We now ex- we now know that Ukraine can win, that Russia can be defeated, that Russia's invasion can be stopped. And so if Russia is able to succeed in Donbass and is able to achieve this more limited campaign that it's, it's going to launch, Joe Biden isn't going to be able to blame the Ukrainians the way he blamed the Afghans for not fighting, because everybody knows that, they, that they're that they courageous and they're, and they're standing up for their country. He's not going to be able to say it's because the Russian military was so strong, because we've all seen it's not. It'll be because we didn't help them enough. And so Joe and Americans will know this. So Joe, literally what the, the fate of Ukraine and the fate of Joe Biden's presidency hanging in the balance of how this turns out. He's got to arm them to the teeth. He's got to give them everything they're asking for. He's got to provide them with the intelligence they want, the weapons they want. Because if if they if he doesn't, not only will Ukraine lose the battle of Donbas, but Joe Biden will.
1: And Chad, up on Capitol Hill, is there a sense that uh, they want the administration to say Ukraine can win, or we want Ukraine to win, uh, over the weekend? Secretary Austin said, we want Russia to be weakened, which didn't translate as well.
0: Well, for the first time in two weeks, both the House and Senate are back in session. And Blinken and Defense Secretary Austin, they're going to be before multiple committees in the next couple of days. And so you're going to hear those questions asked. You know, they're going to reestablish that diplomatic presence in Kyiv. There were a couple of uh, Republican members who I had talked to who indicated that they thought uh, the United States, uh, you know, needed to show that there was going to be a diplomatic presence on the ground, saying during World War II, during the Battle of Britain, the Blitz, you know, the American diplomatic presence was always in London. And so this is a way of demonstrating that you're standing by the people there. The one issue that's going to come up, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she had the, uh, uh, you know, members of parliament on a, on a conference call, a Zoom call uh, today. You know, she had the, uh, uh, the, the prime minister come and, and, and talk in her office just a couple of days ago. They are going to want to get some sort of bill done in the next week or two here that sends more humanitarian assistance uh, to Ukraine that sends more military aid to Ukraine. And again, you know, you're starting to hear from people like Democratic Senator Chris Coons of Delaware saying, maybe, you know, we should, you know, think about what would the role be of United States forces. You know, we said, okay, we're not gonna be on Ukrainian soil, but Chris Coons kind of cracked the door open on that a little bit. And remember, he kind of has a direct line to the president of the United States. You know, that's that's Joe Biden's mm-hmm. old, old Senate seat there with one Senator in between um, saying, you know, we need to make sure that Russia knows they're not going to win in Ukraine and they better not have any eyes on Poland on the Baltics or any place else.
1: We'll hear what they have to say after this. The
3: Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day, featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: Juan, finally, uh, there are some cultural stories that are really big, sweeping. Uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter, uh, that deal coming together today. I've had this uh, tweet from Congressman Lance Gooden of Texas. He said, Elon Musk is buying Twitter, CNN Plus is shutting down, Disney is being reined in. It's a bad time to be woke. What do you think of that?
2: (laughs) Well, I, I don't know, I guess it's all politicized in this era we live in, but I think there's something larger with Twitter. I think that you have a lot of people on all sides of the political aisle who use Twitter. Uh, you know, It's kind of like the watering hole, especially for journalists, uh, just to be frank. And mm-hmm. I think uh, you know, what Musk represents here is a desire for less control of what he has called the public square. So there is a large debate going on. Former President Obama recently weighed in on just this debate about what restrictions limits should be in place so that the public square is not about disinformation, about hatred, and about conspiracy. Um, and you know, is it the case that you want to take away federal protections uh, from these platforms so that they can be sued? for their content that they allow to be distributed. A lot, of peop- a lot of people on the left are worried that Musk really wants to allow former President Trump back on Twitter. Trump is now saying, well, I'm not interested in getting back on Twitter. He started his own platform. It's not going so well. We don't know. It is a big question mark in terms of current information sharing because Twitter is, it's not that it's so large in scope but it's so influential the people on twitter are people who deliver the news on other much larger platforms they're they're the politicians the journalists the jurists it is a true powerhouse and this is a ongoing story of our time to see what elon musk does with it
1: yeah mark last word just
3: this whole social media phenomenon People. they need to decide are they publishers or are they a public square? Because for example, you know Fox News when, when you you know not everybody can get on special report. you, you choose who comes on, you edit the the, the content, you, you make sure that the news is accurate and that it's a news organization, it's a publisher, right? Twitter, on the other hand, is a place where they claim they're not a publisher. They're just they're just opening. You know, they're just an open platform to people to speak. Oh, but we want to edit some of the content. We want to moderate some of the content that we want to choose. You know, we the New York Post story on Hunter Biden. Well, that's factually incorrect. We can either you're an editor and a publisher or you're a forum and they want to have it both ways. They want to be able to edit their content and shut down speech that they don't like, but then also claim to be a public square and not have the responsibilities of a publisher. And they can't have it both ways. And Elon Musk is basically saying, if you want to be an open forum, it's got to be an open forum for everybody, including views you disagree with.
1: This is a big story. We're going to continue to follow it. And, Chad, there's a lot of things happening on Capitol Hill as far as legislation to come when it comes to social media and big tech.
0: Well, you could see where they could have hearings about this, antitrust hearings. Uh, there's certainly going to be people like uh, Dick Durbin, even just today, commented uh, to uh, Fox News about, you know, what is this forum going to be like? Are you going to allow the former president, president to be back on Twitter? You know, and just in the past couple of moments uh, here, I have seen a tweet from Madison Cawthorn, the Republican uh, congressman from North Carolina, who tweeted, bring back real, at real Donald Trump. That was his old his old Twitter handle there. So, you know, you could see where there would be inquiries about this. And on the Republican side, remember that they are pretty skeptical about social media as well. They have written to the big social media firms, Facebook, Twitter, on different occasions, asking for, you know, documents. And does this move in their direction in some fashion? Uh, do they see this as, as, you know, tearing down the problems that the right saw with social media? That is unclear. I mean, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating and see what's actually on, on Twitter, uh, a Elon Musk run Twitter. But you can bet that there's going to be hearings about this because, you know, again, they have to establish as we say, what they are and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and who gets to say things on those platforms and what is appropriate to be said on those platforms. That is going to be a major issue. It is a major First Amendment issue here, Brett.
1: Right, and it's a huge story. I'm hearing that there are bipartisan efforts to uh, come up with a regulatory commission that is set up to uh, make sure that they follow certain standards and you have to get a license. I mean, there's all kinds of things, well, treated like well, Brett, a co-op you know, almost. Very-
0: This is very similar to what happened with the radio industry back in the 1930s. You know, there was a piece of legislation passed by Congress in the 20s, which kind of was the Wild West. And then you actually had the radio industry, television did not exist yet, and came to Congress, came to the federal government and said, please regulate us, because you had people you know, using the same frequencies and stepping on each other's signals and everything else. And out of that was born the Federal Communications Commission. They, you know, sorted out the spectrum, who got what channels and what frequencies and, and everything else, and also regulated to a degree, what you could say.
1: Yeah. We're gonna follow this closely. It's a big story. All right, panel, thank you. On April 25th, nineteen eighty, President Jimmy Carter addressed the American public to break the news of the failed military operation named Operation Eagle Claw to rescue the 52 American embassy workers held in the capital city of Tehran. The mission experienced many obstacles and failures, resulting in the deaths of eight U.S. military members, and ultimately no hostages were rescued. The crisis took a toll on President Carter's popularity. Obviously, he would go on to lose his reelection campaign later that fall to Ronald Reagan, who won 489 electoral votes. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Chad, Juan, and Mark, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.